Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of React Native Radio. This week, I'm talking to Furhan Thauer. Uh, so, Furhan, please uh, let everyone know who you are and kind of what you're all about. Cool. That's a daunting thing to do, but I'll give you the, <laughs> the short version. So, uh, currently at Shopify, I'm a VP Engineering, and I look, look over a bunch of different things, including retail, multi-channel, which is our marketing and marketplaces stuff, and mobile, which is why we're here today to talk about React Native and our decision to build all new apps using React Native at Shopify. Awesome. And joining us today, we have James. James, if you want to remind viewers who you are. Hi, I'm James. I'm a software engineer from the UK. Cool. And we also have Ricky with us. Hey, what's up, guys? And uh, I'm Tim. So welcome back, everyone. Early in my career, I figured out which jobs were worth working at and which ones weren't, mostly by trial and error. I created a system that I used to find jobs and later contracts as a freelancer. If you're looking for a job or trying to figure out where you should go next, then check out my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. The book walks you through figuring out what you want, vetting companies that meet your criteria, meeting that company's employees, and getting them to recommend you for a job. Don't settle for whoever has listed their job on the job board. Go out and proactively find the job you'll love. Buy the book at devchat.tv slash job book. That's devchat.tv slash job book. Um, so let's dig in. Um, can you tell us a little bit, you know, just, just a very high level overview, um, kind of what's going on with Shopify and, and now there's this sudden interest in React Native going on? Yeah, so I don't know how sudden it is. We've been looking, so maybe, maybe my history is I've, I've only been at Shopify for about a year. Came yeah. through uh, acquisition of my last company. But Shopify has been looking at and thinking about React Native for a long time. So one thing to note is on the web, Shopify uses React heavily. Sure. And there's a lot of investment we've done to not only like bring on the best and brightest in React, but also to train people on React. Like I think in many ways, we look for really, really sharp people with interesting, diverse backgrounds. And if they know our technology stack or not, um, that's not a major contributing factor to whether they come on board at Shopify. And so we've trained lots of people in React in addition to bringing lots of folks on. And in 2015, when React Native was first announced and first launched, we you know, took a hard look at it. And uh, teams were deployed to build things in React Native. They wanted to see what it was all about. Um, some of it due to the fact that um, you get maybe for free cross-platform on mobile. But there was a lot of other reasons to look at it as well, especially our interest in React. And at the time, we realized that it wasn't, um, it was possible to build things, but it wasn't possible to build things that we would be super proud of. And in particular, um, Android was really far behind at the beginning um, and has since uh, made great strides. But at that time, the decision was made to like shelve it and let's look at it again in the future type thing. And then it wasn't until late 2018 when it resurfaced, there was an acquisition Shopify did of a company called Ticktail out of Sweden that was building amazing, compelling, beautiful mobile apps on, uh, in React Native. And so that caused the resurgence to look at it again. And so we, you know, I went into detail on this in the blog post, we, we, built, we rebuilt a very popular, um, highly downloaded iOS app called Arrive, which is our package tracking app. It was already built in iOS. We made the decision to rewrite it in React Native. Now, there's lots of things that can 
be said about a rewrite, even if we rewrote it in iOS, we would have built it faster, better, cheaper, because we learned a lot of things. But in rebuilding on React Native, we got we learned that there were uh, there were a lot of advances that had happened since 2015. We uh, could use the expertise of some of the folks from the Ticktail team when we ran into hiccups, and we were able to rebuild and deploy this app um, fairly quickly, and of course on iOS and Android. And um, many of the mobile engineering team that were native engineers felt like they were more productive and were enjoying their work more than they were in the native world. So there was a lot of momentum after deploying that in 2019. So that's a lot to unpack, actually. Um, and it's great that you guys have moved you know, into React Native and everything. Uh, it really sounds like um, the Ticktail thing was super influential in you know, bringing Shopify back to reevaluating that. Um, can you kind of dive into that a little more and talk about, you know, what what about that app coming onto the scene um, for Shopify gave you guys, you know, like what, what was super impressive about it um, that it actually convinced other people within Shopify that this was worth pursuing? Yeah, I think, you know, one thing that's interesting uh, at Shopify in general is we really do look for uh, the smartest, like, people from um, outside to come in and we want to, we want to value their opinions, right? We don't want to bring people in and say, oh, well, this is the Shopify way. And so come in and, you know, do things the Shopify way. We really do look at and say, hey, what can we learn from these folks who are coming from a different experience, from a different background, from different viewpoints? And so one thing that, I, uh, that I've realized that many people don't know is that, you know, in the early, earlier days of these cross-platform toolkits, people would always say, well, show me a top five app that's built using React Native. Like that was always the thing that I heard or, or whatever cross-platform tool you would, you would look at. And sometimes people would show you an app and you're like, wow, I can't believe it's so, uh, it, it's got fluid animation, it loads quickly, it's performant, the UI is flexible, and the engineering team enjoys building on it, right? right. Meaning that it's not a, a big pile of spaghetti code. And so that's what happened with Ticktail. It was a very compelling, beautiful app that actually allowed... Um, uh, people to look at it and go, wow, that's React Native. Um, and then since then, there's you know uh, there's amazing apps in the in the App Store that are React Native that people may not even know. Like one example was, I think uh, Toby, our CEO, tweeted out about Discord on iOS. He was like, wow, I can't believe this is React Native. It's such a like highly popular, downloaded millions of times. I think Discord is, has like 250 million users, and um, the iOS app it was is built by like three engineers and is React Native. Another one uh, with a team I recently spoke to uh, is the NFL. So the NFL, which, you know, during the season, of course, we're in crazy C-19 world right now where sports is not on. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. right, I guess football's not on right now anyway, but <laughs> the, from a season perspective, but it's a fully ground up, rewritten React Native app on iOS and Android. And I'm assuming that during the season, it's like a top 10, top five app um, and has video and is compelling and fluid and performant. And that's a, that's an, another example of people like, I, I don't, I don't believe it. Right. They don't think that. And so the same thing was true. We, we started noticing that there were great compelling experiences. Now, don't forget about 2015 when the team said, we don't think we can build an app we would be proud of. Right. After seeing, um, Ticktail and then building, rebuilding arrive, we were like, mm -hmm. wow, we can build amazing, compelling experiences for buyers and merchants using this technology and leverage all of the investment we've done in React at the same time. 
How was it um, convincing some of the native guys or people who were already um, working on native um, on the native side, kind of coming over to React Native? Was yeah. It so process or anything. Yeah. So I think there's there's a common there's a bunch of things happening, and this is true not just in mobile world, but even in our backend world, right? So one thing that's interesting about Shopify is we build everything in the backend on Ruby Ruby on Rails. So you also have strong opinions uh, on that backend as you would have about React Native. So um, for the, you know, the guys and gals who work on our mobile stack, there are definitely mobile engineers who um, want to build in native, just like there are backend engineers who want to build in Java, for example. And so some of those um, tried React Native, came over to React Native and were like, wow, this is really compelling. And I'm, I'm learning something new. I'm learning about reactive programming. Um, and I, I want to keep working in, in mobile and I want to move this direction. There are folks who are like, Hey, if I'm going to learn a new stack, um, why don't I move to like backend? So there's some people who are like, Hey, I used to be mobile. Now I'm moving to backend. There's some people who are still doing native development at Shopify. We still do native development. Like I mentioned, we're not automatically rewriting everything. So there are definitely, um, folks still doing uh, native development as well. But what this opens up is a new pathway and a way to build things in a very compelling manner. I'll give you actually another cool example that just happened uh, uh, last week. So we do something at Shopify three times a year called Hack Days, where we give everyone in the company three days to just do whatever you want with the caveat of you have to ship it at the end of the three days. <laughs> and we had uh, an, uh, a, a React front-end engineer, never had done any React Native, um, paired with a React Native engineer for a couple hours, felt that he was able to translate you know, his React experience into React Native, built a compelling app in three days, and, and we're probably going to ship that thing to the App Store after a few more days of work. But again, kind of uh, you know, from a propaganda perspective, does a talk at our mobile meetup, right, which is all the mobile people at Shopify, and talks about how it was amazing that after a few hours of doing React Native, was able to be proficient in building mobile and now shipping an app to the App Store after, you know, there's more days after that, but... Um, felt pretty productive. So there are, there are definitely the camp of people who are like, wow, this is new and cool. And I want to move into this, this new world of React Native. And then there are, of course, those who are like, I really like native development. I want to stay there and they can continue doing that at Shopify also. Yeah, I'm sure it was pretty easy to get like some of the web guys that were using React to kind of jump over to React Native. since It's like basically kind of the same. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's a few things to say on that. One is you want to like the, the best teams I think are a combination of react folks and mobile folks. So you're getting both sides of the coin because one thing that's interesting about mobile and you know, people listening to this podcast probably already know is there's definitely a different ethos about building for mobile than it is for the web, right? You don't want to build things, you know, the, the worst case scenario is you're building something on the web and then uh, the mobile team's like, yep, we're just, you know, building those exact features on mobile because they built it on the web. Like that's not how mobile works. Mm -hmm. Mobile is a completely different context. So you do want to have people who really understand mobile. And from a, you know, I think it's really important from a product perspective to think about mobile versus just automatically just rebuilding that stuff. So the React folks, yes, are very excited about being able to deploy to mobile. But the, the, the tension is to make sure we're, we're building things that people want on mobile. Right, not just re repurposing the same feature set. And uh, during this time, where you guys were kind of like thinking about um, bringing it over to React Native, did you guys um, kind of uh, experiment on any any other cross-platform um, uh, um, things like Flutter or progressive web apps or anything like that? Yeah. So we had. So in this. So in the case of 
because of the TikTal acquisition and the Arrive team, we did not. We just looked at React Native. However, uh, there were, was another team, which has also launched a React Native uh, app on iOS and Android now called Start. So they focus on everything to do with like pre-commerce, people who want to get into entrepreneurship. So that team built an app called Compass, and they did do uh, an uh, exhaustive evaluation of Native, Flutter, React Native as part of their uh, analysis. And so in their findings, they also chose React Native um, for some of the same reasons. A big one, of course, being that we have a lot of React infrastructure at Shopify, mm -hmm. a lot of React engineering at Shopify. I mentioned we not only hire, but also train people on React. So that was a big reason to also allow them to scale up um, pretty quickly onto this team and build these mobile apps and deploy them to both platforms in a manner of months, which is not uh, usually what we see in, in, uh, in native land. Actually, what, what we see in native land, not, not just at Shopify, but in most places is iOS first, then Android, and then everyone complains about how Android is behind <laughs> iOS. Like that's, that's, I've just seen it like over and over again. I think James is nodding. So. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I read some of your blog earlier, and I was astonished to see that after you rewrote on React Native, you were reporting fewer crashes on iOS than native, mm -hmm. and it was more performant. You could run it on older hardware. Um, yeah. I thought that was in incredible. What other things have happened along the lines of that that have just surprised you about the way that React Native works? Yeah, so I think we're going to do a few a few things to dive deeper into these topics because they're all, they're they're super interesting, and you're not the first person to to talk to me and go, "Wow, how is that possible?" If React Native is using the same infrastructure <laughs> that the native yeah. engineers use, how is it possible that you could have less crashes, for example? So we're doing a deep dive into this now because it's a it's hotly contested internally about like you have the native engineers are like, "How is this possible?" And then the React Native engineers are like, "I'm not sure how it's possible, but it's happening." Right, meaning like we had an iOS app before, and now we have a React Native app, and we're seeing a, a better a better crash rate in the new app. So we're doing a deep dive into that. And there's there's some hypotheses, right? One is that React Native has these rails around the native components such that you can't use them in a in a way that would cause it to crash. So um, there's some hypotheses around that. There's um, there's a you know, hypotheses around that originally maybe we were using the native components incorrectly. And so that's why they were crashing. So we're going to do a deep dive into that and hopefully publish a, publish a blog post because either way, right, whether the blog post is wrong and, and uh, it, it's not the case, like I'd write, we'd like to know like what the reasons are. So I think we're going to do a yeah. deep dive. On the performance side, similar, right? The, I don't think we, we were saying that it's faster. I think what we're saying is you can build highly performant apps in React Native now. And it was not the case that this was an obvious thing before. And, you know, we, for example, we saw that Facebook just rewrote Messenger using uh, fully native, right? And actually in their case, right, like using Objective-C, right? So they decided for performance reasons to stick with Objective-C and rewrite their Messenger app using Objective-C versus React Native, even though they, you know, own the React Native project and have lots of engineers who could do that. So that was their trade-off and their choice to do that. Now, again, one thing that's interesting is go and look at Discord iOS, three engineers, very highly um, performant, right? So interesting, interesting from that perspective. Um, but I think what's worthwhile is to take each of these claims and do a deeper dive and understand what those trade-offs mean, right? Because there's definitely trade-offs in every approach. The trade-off for native is, hey, we're closer to the metal 
We can potentially eke out better performance. And this is also true in React Native world, right? Like we, we did test and design some native components for places in the application that we think um, could, could have a better experience with that performance. That being said, we try as much as possible to stay in JavaScript land because if you can eke out 95% or in some cases 99% code share, there's a huge, huge, huge advantage to that. Right, yeah. yeah absolutely. What a, when you did the rewrite of the app, was there anything that just didn't work that you were expecting to work? Like how easily did all the native code translate into sort of React Native components? Yeah, so I think we were originally, so maybe let me, let me answer your question in a different way. I think we originally thought we would have more native components in our React Native app than we ended up with. Meaning we looked at the Arrive app and some animations and thought for sure, some of these are going to have to be native because of you know, how we wrote them, because of the complexity around the, you know, the, the physics. We thought for sure we're going to have to rewrite this. And, and we're, we are writing a blog post about this now, so I don't want to give away too much. But we, we, we definitely had some animations in Arrive. And for people who, who have used Arrive, you'll, you'll notice there's like animations around like confetti. And, really, and, and it really does help the user experience. Um, when you have that sort of effect in a mobile app. And so having to think through and saying, well, this is going to obviously be native was how we started the project. As we got further down the path, we realized that um, we could, you, you know, using some JavaScript libraries like Reanimated, um, build these things in React Native, and they would perform not only on iOS great devices, but older iOS devices and then older Android devices. So this is where some of the surprise for us came in, where we were like, wow, some of these uh, things we took for granted, meaning we thought we would have to build them on, on native. Now we can take for granted on React Native and, and assume, you can actually, you can change your assumptions the other way now. Assume that it's gonna perform in JavaScript, assume that it's gonna work cross-platform on older devices, and then test it before you decide, I'm gonna have to write it in native. And so that's why the shared code count was so surprising. Right, like my guess before looking at it was that we were going to get eighty percent code share, which is a, a huge number, right? For anybody doing mobile development, eighty um, percent is a huge number to, to aim for. And, and like, if you get that, you're like, wow, great, we're off to the races. We're going to get a lot of um, advantages from going React Native. But to get ninety five and ninety nine on the two apps that we have launched is insane. Yeah, it's a like that's a whole. Thing. It's crazy. It's a whole other world, right? Like it's literally, um, it's a whole other world. And and if if you if anybody's doing the analysis with 80% and then we came to them and said, you might get 95%, like that would, that changes the, the weighting on the calculus around shared code. Yeah. Is there anything that you guys miss? Like while doing the rewrite, like, oh man, we can't do this. Was there anything? The engineers will say they miss debugging. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny because I actually like debugging in JS. I know. Um, so there are people like you <laughs> at <laughs> Shopify, but a lot of the native engineers do miss the, the quality of the tooling of native debugging. Interesting. So is that yeah. more of something that the iOS developers say or something more that the Android developers say? See, now you're, now, you're, now you're creating factions, Tim. Right, yeah. Right. No, you're there creating are. factions. Yeah, so you are, you are right. There are, so there was an example also, uh, maybe, I'll, uh, I mean, maybe I'll answer that question and get into an example that you reminded me of. But yes, it is a lot of it, the iOS engineers are used to a high quality of tooling Right. On, uh, on, you know, with Xcode that they're like, wow, this, I can't believe this is how you, how you have to do it. 
And then the Android engineers would be like, what are you talking about? This is how we, this is how we do things on Android, <laughs> right? And you know, one example was uh, something around performance where the iOS team did end up spending quite a bit of time optimizing some, you know, that's probably lists because there's always lists, right? Like trying to make fast scrolling lists. And it's something you get for free in iOS. Meanwhile, when you go to the Android team, they're like, oh yeah, we're used to optimizing these kinds of things anyway. So this is no yeah. different. The amount of time we spend to optimize this is no different. But the iOS folks are like, what world are you living in? We, this is like totally free in, in, uh, in Swift. And so this is, that, has, that is uh, uh, something that comes up. Um, and debugging, there are people like Ricky who are like, I really love debugging in this new world. It gets better and better. And now, you know, we, they just released uh, new debugging tools as well. So there, it gets better and better, but compared to what they get in Xcode, they're not as, as proficient in debugging as they are in, in, in React Native Land. If you're a front-end developer looking for remote work, then I recommend G2i, a React and React Native-focused hiring platform that will connect you directly with their clients that need your skill set. What makes G2i a unique hiring experience is that they spend the time marketing you to their clients of your choice. G2i is a team of engineers that technically vets you up front. If you pass their vetting, their clients have agreed to skip their initial interview process, saving you time and energy getting your next gig. They take care of all the hard work for you so you can get focused on development. To join G2i, go to g2i.co and apply. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, especially just from my personal anecdotal perspective, um, I kind of came from an Android engineering background and then I was a web developer for a while. Um, so to me, I was, I was like, I don't really understand what all these new, sh these shiny things that iOS developers had that they've kind of sacrificed along the way of moving to React Native. So it's always super interesting to kind of, you know, pick their brains and be like, well, what could be better, um, you know, with the whole React Native experience? Yeah, and I think that's what's great about the community growing in terms of, in terms of React Native, like more and more companies jumping on this will give that feedback and in some cases take over those parts of the experience and say, you know what, we really like the debugging experience from Xcode. We want to bring that type of experience to React Native. And they could, you know, work with Facebook or take over some parts of the tooling and make it better for everybody. So, you know, we're, you know, we didn't talk about that too much, but Shopify is a big proponent of community and open source, all the way from web standards to Ruby and Ruby on Rails, where we're core contributors. And so it's very similar to how we want to interact with React Native. We want to be a big player in the community. And that's why we, you know, we started our efforts with open source in mind. So yeah, switching gears and kind of diving into that a little bit more. Uh, what does that mean for um, Shopify and their relationship with React Native? Like what ways are you actually looking to contribute? Um, you know, what's top priority? Uh, what do you think would be better? Kind of go into that. Yeah, so there's a few areas. One is, is that um, we noticed that there are already efforts to open source com some components that could use more juice. And so one example was we connected quickly with Discord on their, they, I think it's called Fastlist. They're building a new Fastlist that they wanted to open source that, uh, that they had created for their work inside the Discord iOS app. And so we quickly you know, volunteered to help them get that to, uh, get that to the community more quickly. And we, is, that, is, that, yeah. uh, is that specifically because of what you were mentioning earlier too, where uh, like iOS developers were saying that certain lists weren't moving fast enough and stuff? Exactly. And that's exactly the type of, so if you read that blog post from Discord about how we made our fast list, like how we made our lists faster on iOS, that's exactly the type of article that an iOS engineer would look at and go, I don't understand. Like this is free. 
gotcha. in iOS. And then Android engineers are like, oh, this makes sense because this is the same kind of optimization path we would have to go through for Android. So that's, a, that's one example. And so there's an example of one. We, in the blog post, I outlined that we're working with uh, William Candelim, um, to, he, he's the core contributor to React Native and Reanimated. And so we're working with him on some internal work and also open source work that eventually will make that, that library better. We partnered with Software Mansion. They're the, the folks uh, with uh, Christoph, who, um, is it Christoph? I, maybe I'm messing up his name, who, um, who was the co-creator of uh, face, uh, React Native for Android. And so we're, we're, we're helping sponsor their open source efforts. We're actually just working with them to help, um, help, help them accelerate their open source work so they can continue um, having engineers on the open source efforts and pushing that back into the community, working with them. Um, chatting with Facebook often to figure out if there are community modules that Shopify actually like we have a vested interest in making better and we could work with them on like they have an entire project called Lean Core, right, where they want to move things out of core. And so we're chatting with them about what modules might make sense for Shopify to, to own long term. Um, we're chatting with Microsoft on their tooling efforts around React Native. So there's lots going on in the community perspective. And, and like I mentioned, we don't want to come in, make a big splash like the blog blog post and then like not do anything. So we, we started off in the blog post of having already started these things, right? We were already working with software mentioned. We were already working with William Candelin, already talking to Facebook, already talking to Microsoft and then accelerating those over the next, uh, over this year to make sure that we, um, we, we do what we said we we're going to do. Well, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. I mean, but yeah, it's, it sounds like a lot, but, um, and it's not a little, but that's how community efforts have to happen, right? You can't just yeah. pick like one thing. Like I, I think we're we're big enough in this space that I think we're able to like I can put full time engineers on this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because like you know our team like we're we're so busy, but we're kind of a small team mm-hmm. of five, and so it's like it's interesting to hear like all the the things that you guys are contributing towards the community, and it sounds super interesting. I wish um, you know in the future that's something that I would like to do. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to overstate, like, I don't want to, like, like we, t- I talked about a lot, a lot of stuff and there's a lot of people working on these things, but I don't think we've made the impact that we said we're going to make yet. So, you know, stay tuned, but I, I do hope to do everything that we said we're going to do. Oh yeah. it sounds cool. Yeah. That's super exciting. And it's just great to have, um, you know, this growing interest in React Native and to see, you know, like actual concentrated efforts into giving back to open source and, and you know, really lifting other developers and, and lifting this entire, everything about it just up to, to make it a better, you know, more usable uh, tool set for everyone. Yeah. And I want, I mean, one thing that I was hoping for the blog post to do, which it sort of did, is there's people using this that don't talk about it at all, right? They're like, hey, you know what, I get... I get uh, in their minds, I get cross-platform almost for free. At least I get to learn, learn once right anywhere aspects of React and React Native. But they don't, they don't have the inclination or reason to like blog about it, talk about it, tweet about it. And so some of these people are coming out of the woodwork, right? They're like, oh, by the way, like, yeah, we've been doing this for many years. And I'm glad to see other people have figured out the secret <laughs> that we figured out. Or, <laughs> you know, people at Facebook saying thanks for like at least highlighting that this is a real thing that people are doing and that um, it's not just about um, one way to build things. And there are reasons why, for sure, that you still want to build native, but there are also many reasons and why you want to use React Native. Can we talk a little bit about uh, the cross-platform success of the Shopify mm-hmm. apps? So um, that's the killer feature. I think that's, that's why everybody comes in this one thing. How much work was it to get your iOS app 
to work nicely on Android as well once you'd written it in React Native? Did it James, just you're asking the killer question. That's it. I mean, that's what we all want to know. That's yeah. what we're here for. You're asking the killer question. And so I think um, the reason it's the killer question is because I don't think we talk about it enough. Um, and even in when we were doing our, our, our build out, I don't think we thought we, we thought about it enough. And then I want to say one thing before I get into the answer. There are some companies who do use React Native for a single platform. And I think I meant, I mean, I obviously mentioned Discord already. They're one, right? They use React Native on iOS only, which is quite interesting. When we built Arrive, Arrive was only iOS. And so one of the reasons we did choose React Native, not just to learn, but also uh, eventually was to deploy it on Android. And it is on Android today as well. But when we first built Arrive, we focused on just iOS. And knowing what I know now and what the Compass team did, the start team who built their app and React Native did, was they focused on building it um, with both targets in mind from the beginning. So for anybody yeah. listening to this, um, my advice is to start your React Native project thinking about building to both targets from the beginning. And it is a little more painful because you've got to you know, deploy to both things and make sure it works on both things. But it will save you a lot of pain later on. And some of the pain is not React Native related. I think I read a blog post about a company that was building something to do with like an, a, a cross-platform mobile app. And just the notification system they chose randomly only allowed them, I think maybe they probably just built directly to Apple's like APNS and didn't really think about, oh yeah, we're going to later on go to Android. And so that just caused them pain. And they had many examples of libraries they integrated with that just didn't, um, didn't have Android equivalents right? Whether it was to do with crash reporting or whether it had to do with analytics. And so when they were doing the Android port, it ends up taking like two or three months because they've just got all these little pieces. And we saw some of that at Shopify the, when we were building Arrive. When we first built it, we, and it's not, um, I want to say a, like an overall negative for the project. It was just something that we, because we deployed on iOS, we were focused on rebuilding it. We then launched an iOS there was a, an effort, like an Android port effort, which sounds weird when you're talking about React Native, but there is an effort to then go, okay, how do we make this now deploy on Android? So my advice for folks is to try to go as cross-platform from the beginning as possible. Now with teams that started that way, there was initial pain, but they're able to release both versions within a week of each other because they're basically oh, awesome. there. Yeah, basically they're on both. Now that, that is my advice. Um, um, but of course, you know, like for instance, we did our hack days project. We weren't looking at like doing cross-platform. We're like, we got three days. We're just going to build on iOS. How did the teams manage that? Because that's, that is a really interesting way of looking at it. Did you have iOS and Android guys working physically next to each other, sharing the same code base? Did everybody have two simulators, one for each device up at every, at the same time? How did you yeah. sort of manage that from a working perspective? Yeah. So we, so a couple of things. One is we, the way Shopify is set up right now, everybody's working remote, but usually we're in, we're in, we're in pods, right? So the team is in Shopify pods where the teams are co-located. So they're working close together and I'd have to, you know, you're asking me a question. I don't know the exact answer. My guess would be they were continually, continually deploying to both uh, simulators and both sets of hardware to test. That's my guess. Um, Cause um, now the, under, the other interesting thing about the makeup of the teams is that when we were building um, all of our different mobile, app, mobile apps at Shopify, especially the ones in React Native, we've been lucky in that the teams have been staffed with a combination of React folks 
and mobile folks. And those mobile folks sometimes come from the native iOS world and sometimes come from the native Android world. So because of that like heterogeneous grouping, grouping of folks, you're likely able to get somebody who's done native development on either iOS or Android in your React Native team, which really helps with the tooling and infrastructure. Now, the other thing that we're lucky to have is we have a team that's under our developer acceleration team because Shopify is a pretty large R&D organization, right? Over 1,500 people are just in R&D. Um, so we've got people who are focused solely on making your development experience better. And that includes mobile foundations and mobile tooling. So these folks help you get your build environment set up quick, quickly and ready to go. So you can, you know, right, just type in a few commands on your, on your MacBook and get a, a, an environment set up quickly. We've got a foundations team that will help you building core components and give you access to like how we do push notifications at Shopify, how we do analytics at Shopify, how do we, you know, um, how do we deploy all those things set up such that um, you've got a common core set of things to start from. So for example, I'll go back to that Hack Days example. We were able to pull from existing foundations, tooling, and internal projects, like lots of code, to then get this, this app um, going quickly. Like you know, one example is just authentication. We don't want to have to build that every time for every app. So we, we have those components ready to go. Whoa, that's awesome. Yeah, it's like so paying up front, isn't it? Yeah. It's paying it up front, yeah. And, and what we do also is, we have these secondments where people can take six months from their product team to then work on a tooling or foundations team, right? Because they've got the latest context on what we had to build for merchants or buyers or whatever audience. And then they can come back, make the foundations better based on that experience and then come back to their product team. And then we can continue rotating those people through. So you get a, you get a view of like infrastructure. How do I build this to make everybody faster? And then I can do a spike down a certain product vertical uh, as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find this topic super interesting um, because I think, you know, maybe in the vast majority of cases, um, a typical React Native developer has to understand the tooling, has to understand um, a lot of these foundations things, you know, how they're going to implement their SDKs, how they're going to authenticate. And it's probably just local to their own project that they work on or whatever. Um, so it's, it's crazy to me in, in the best way possible that you guys have been able to segment this out into specific teams, um, you know, which can just have this expertise and get these other teams up and running so well. Um, it's super cool. And I guess it makes me start to wonder, um, you know, so you have the tooling team, the foundations team, and then you have these individual React Native teams. Um, can you talk numbers about how many people are on each of these teams and, and just how often are they actually... Um, you know, interacting with each other. Yeah. So the teams are not as big as you would think, right? Like the, the foundations team. So we're building up our React Native foundations and tooling teams now, right? So these will be no more than two to four people each, right? They're not gigantic teams. And don't forget, they're seconded from some of the product teams. So people come on for three or six months and then go back to their product teams. And so um, there's an a an allotment there for time to like ramp up on infrastructure, then move into product, ramp up on that. And so kind of go back and forth in terms of interaction. So we, you know, we, we obviously use Slack to communicate. We have different team groups set up in Slack. There's one like Uber group at a Shopify called like mobile where all the mobile people interact. There's obviously react native groups where we share things like uh, around react native, but we also have like common uh, infrastructure. Like I mentioned, like authentication, and how we build and um, a way to deploy apps. So like you can go to 
um, you know, for instance, even on your development environment, you can quickly spin up any of the mobile applications, including React Native applications, um, fairly quickly because of our tooling. You could also install on your phone, like you know, via go go to a URL from your phone at Shopify and like see all the mobile apps and just install them all. So that's a quick and easy way to get uh, the latest um, builds and play with them and give feedback. Yeah, so, like, one thing one thing you actually mentioned too was this whole QR code thing in your engineering mm-hmm. blog. Um, yeah. Can you go into that a little bit too? Yeah, sure. Interesting. Yeah, it's super interesting. And it's something that we enabled for um, the Arrive app uh, first. And the idea behind it was you want to quickly test a PR on your phone, right? There are many reasons why the simulator isn't going to be as close to the real experience as possible, especially with, you know, touch events and seeing how it performs in the hardware. So we uh, developed a quick and easy way to just, you know, once you have the app on your phone, you can quickly scan the QR code. It replaces the JavaScript bundle with, from your on your phone with the one from GitHub. And now you're running the latest code and you can quickly tell if, you know, testing a performance issue or a new feature. And um, you can quickly go back and forth between different PRs just scanning the QR code. And so we've enabled other, other teams have adopted that who are using React Native at Shopify so they can quickly test on the hardware. And so it does require you to have the, you know, initial build on your phone. But after that, you can quickly replace the JavaScript bundle um, ad hoc as much as you want. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, and, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if we, we should probably write more about it and maybe make it easier for other people to do that too. Yeah, definitely. Like that is the key to enterprise development, I think, with this sort of thing. It's just you've got to have these tools to make it work in your team. It's cool when it's just like a developer or a couple of devs mm-hmm. doing a project, but. At this kind of level, you've got to come up with these solutions to really make it viable, I think. But I guess that's why it's worked so well for Shopify. Yeah, and I think actually now you're now you're bringing me to uh, realize something that the React Native engineers now look at the iOS engineers and go, what do you mean you have to do that? Like, you're right about the quick turnaround, right? Like, use when you have a React, React engineer or, or even a React Native engineer and then looking at the native tooling. So one of the things that they are surprised by in the native tooling is having to reload, like restart the simulator or yeah. reload all their code. And they're like, you have to do what every time they make a change? So they're surprised on the other side because they're used to this quick iterative feedback loop of React and the web of just literally deploy and, and just go back to the browser and it's already updated, right? So this, this mobile world of like hot reloading is a, is, a, is a game changer for them because it's literally like, wow, I can't believe I can just like literally type keys here and see it updated here. Like it's a, it's a whole nother world for them. So. We, we wanted to, you know, we made it even faster, of course, with this PR um, adoption, which allows you to, you know, test anybody's PR quickly before even, um, you know, you can do a PR review and then, you know, ship it to, and publish it to master. Right. That's super awesome. Um, yeah, especially, I just couldn't get over how cool the QR code thing is just because, you know, in, in my role, sometimes we'll have, you know, people from different departments coming in um, asking, hey, can I see the latest build and everything? And, you know, if you don't have a process to do that quickly, it it does suck up some time from a developer who could be writing code. Um, so the fact that you guys have made that so snappy um, is super impressive. And, and you mentioned maybe making that available to other people. So like, yeah, f- charge full mm-hmm. steam ahead on that, please, because that sounds great. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty obvious one that has a lot of value and I think um, wouldn't be that much work for us to do. So uh, shifting gears um, a little bit, you Shopify has gone on this long journey, um, you know, where they've they've explored React Native initially, and, and now you've adopted React Native. Now you're going to be contributing to React Native. Um, you know, what other things are is Shopify looking at now for the future? Obviously, you talked about contributing stuff, but are you looking at more um, experimental things, such as maybe like React Native Web or, or what else? Yeah. So 
you're, you're, you, I think I mentioned in the blog post, we are doing a React Native web experiment. And so um, the idea behind that, of course, is the same team that's building the mobile experiences, the same expertise, right? Learn once, right, run everywhere. We want to see if that's also possible um, on React Native web. So we don't have anything deployed yet, but it is an area we're actively looking at. And uh, I would love to see something deployed with React Native web this year. Uh, um, so that we will have experience on that. So, you know, here's, here's the other, here's something to remember as part of the blog post was that we wrote, uh, we rewrote Arrive in React Native. We deployed it to production. We wrote the, you know, the Compass apps in Android and iOS and also Android and iOS for, for Arrive. We deployed them to production and using the data from the deployed app is how we made the decision, right? So for people making these kinds of decisions, it wasn't that we did like a, like, you know, a master's thesis research project that was just academic, right? We wrote the apps, we deployed them to production and then made the call. So that's the first thing I want to say. And that's why when I talk about React Native Web, obviously you can do lots of research, but until we deploy something in React Native Web, it won't be something that we can make a call on whether it would grow more widely at Shopify until we do that. But by deploying the React Native apps, the mobile apps in iOS and Android, we were able to feel comfortable to then say, hey, this is the future of how we're gonna to wanna to build mobile apps at Shopify. So, you know, that's how I encourage people to look at new technology decisions is get something in their production before you make, make a whole big strategy change. Um, in terms of other experiments, so yeah, React Native Web is a big one. Um, other experiments are, we wanna look at some of the apps that have like deep performance implications. So for example, I mentioned this in the blog post, um, we have a POS, uh, a point of sale application coming out. Um, we, you know, we announced it last year in 2019 and we're fortunate enough to be able to experiment, uh, with react native by the, in the following way, we have an iOS app coming out and then for Android, we're going to release the react native app. And what's interesting about point of sale, and you can imagine this from, you know, remember way back in the day, you used to like walk outside and go to like a retail shop, <laughs> right? Before C19, yeah. you would see these people. Um, who are really adept at using their point of sale. And they, with one hand, they could like type and look at you or the customer at the same time because they were just like had muscle memory around their point of sale application. So there are very high performance uh, constraints around the point of sale application because people have muscle memory. They literally like know exactly where the buttons are going to appear before they appear on the screen. They hit the screen with, with that knowing that it's going to appear there. So they, they expect um, in our research, twice as fast of the performance in their mobile POS application as they would a regular mobile app. So um, that's a great experiment for us. We definitely want to see how a React Native version of our point of sale will do in the wild. Does uh, the performance of React Native hold up to that speed? Do we have to write the that one screen natively to get the performance we need? What about um, interruptible animations? What about um, buttons uh, appearing where the person thinks they're going to appear and hitting those before the touch area is, is available? There's going to be all kinds of experiments we want to do in that realm, specifically around performance. That's cool. And I, I know that, you know, the high speed of um, deploying with React Native is going to really help out since you can, you know, write fast and deploy fast with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, we're, so we, you know, of course, we've been in development for a while. So we, we have, we're very encouraged by what we're seeing. But um, until I get, until we get it in front of merchants. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's, That's how you know. That's a true know. test, right? That's a true, true test. test. You got, I mean, <laughs> there's no other test, right? You got to get yeah. it in front of real users. For sure. Coming soon.
Are you stuck at home climbing the walls when you should be hanging out with the community at the latest conference to get canceled? Are you wondering where to hear your JavaScript heroes like Amy Knight and Douglas Crockford and Chris Heilman? After the cancellations, I decided to put on a JavaScript conference for you online. I invited my favorite folks from around the web and got them to come speak at an online event just for you. Go to jsremoteconf.com and check out our speakers and schedule. The conference is on May 14th and 15th. The call for proposals is open until March 31st. Come join us at an online conference that we guarantee will keep you safe and keep you informed. jsremoteconf.com. On the topic of um, you know, the future of Shopify, is you also mentioned that you guys are actually hiring. So you, it definitely sounds like you, know, you have all these awesome things going on. Um, if you want to kind of talk about um, you know, what kind of React Native developer or just developer in general that you're looking to add um, to making all these efforts happen? Really good point. So Shopify is always hiring sharp folks from all kinds of disciplines. We have a great um, talent process whereby we look for interesting folks with diverse backgrounds. And so like the exact experience isn't necessarily needed. We're just looking for sharp folks who are interested in learning. And of course, domain expertise is useful, but it's not the only thing. And so we are looking for all sorts of folks uh, around um, these efforts, React folks, React Native, mobile engineers, native engineers, like no, with, within, with the, you know, the mind share that like, React Native is our platform of choice, but that doesn't mean we won't have to build native components and foundations and there's still native elements. There's all kinds of things going on. The other thing I would say outside of the general call for smart engineers is that I'm specifically hiring a principal engineer for mobile. And so what that means is because mobile is disparate and across the company at Shopify, right? There's lots of different teams. It's kind of like um, when you, when in the old days, you would be like, oh, well, you know, we need to, we'd have like a mobile team that just built the mobile things for everybody. Mobile's mm -hmm. everywhere now, right? So every team that builds something has to always think about what happens when my merchant is not at their desk or my buyer. And, you know, we even published it, I think in the blog post that like 70% of purchases are done through mobile at Shopify. So um, I'm bringing on a principal mobile engineer to help me steward mobile engineering across the company. And so this is a, you know, director level position of somebody who um, will help us, you know, really um, tease out the core common components, make mobile easier, reduce the friction, leverage uh, you know, um, each other's uh, code across the company. And so that's something that's reporting to me. And I'm, I'm, that's, I think, uh, posted on our you know, shopify.com slash careers page as well. Yeah, because I know like mobile, especially with like, you know, e-commerce and everything, it's like a certain UX to it that you have to have. And it's, it, I'm, I'm sure the complexity of that so much. Mm -hmm. Well, think about the complexity of like, you know, in our case, right, a million shops, we have, you know, Shopify Pay, right, which is our, our uh, accelerated checkout. We have people buying uh, across the world in different countries. There's shipping, taxes, performance. There's all kinds of things going on, UX. Do you guys do any um, A and B testing with React Native? Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't limit it to just React Native, right? We do A-B testing across the company. Mm -hmm. And we definitely, we also do like graduated rollout of things. And so we are able to test things in production uh, so that we can quickly roll back if something um, um, is not going according to plan. And the same is true for like full experiments. 
So we do lots of experiments. We have an experimental framework that allows us to try things out to a smaller population, to some merchants. We have lots of feature flags that allow us to like deploy code and turn them on um, when it makes sense. So all of that is happening in the mobile e ecosystem as well as in React Native and in the web. Interesting. How do you guys handle like when I think of A-B testing, I think of like, um, I haven't never done it before, so I'm not really 100% sure about how it works, but is it something that you just deploy in certain regions, like different like bundles, like, oh, so like, um, you know, California will get this certain um, build and Texas will get a different one. Is that how it works or is it something yeah. that's... So usually, and there's lots of different ways to do it, but usually what you want to have actually is that everybody has the same code, but different folks go through different code paths. Mm, okay. So... Everyone's got the same code, but it's more like um, because you're in Chile, you're going to get this code path versus you're in the U.S., you're going to get that code path. Or because you're this type of, in our case, this type of merchant, or you happen to be in our randomized 1% of users, you're going to get this. But everybody, the easiest way to do it is for everybody to have the same code because you don't okay. want to have yeah. Yeah, different, uh, like, uh, different instruction set for everybody because that makes it harder to debug. You really mm -hmm. want to have like everybody's got the same code, but because of this attribute, you're now running through this code path. And because of that attribute, that person's running through that code path. And then there's lots of different ways to do it. You could have like 1%, 99%, 10%. It could be location-based. There's lots of different ways to do it. Um, and um, But it does, um, which is where you're probably leading to, help you learn something, right? Which is why you want to do experiments. You want to be able to roll things out. And in the React Native world, there there are uh, ways to like you know change the experience more deeply than you could a native app because of the way React Native is architected. Um, which you can take advantage of as well. And um, how do you guys debug in production? Like, how do you guys get y'all's logs or anything like that? Yeah, so there's a, it, it depends on the mobile app. There's different ways. So, for example, um, when uh, when we're debugging something on a mobile app, we've got a pretty robust logging infrastructure, mm -hmm. which allows us to um, you know either um, server side or from the mobile app have the logs be sent to us, so then we can debug. Oh, okay. There's yeah. There's all sorts of analytics that go on in the back end because we want to be able, in many cases, to know when problems are occurring before our merchants or buyers know when they're occurring. And so we've got entire teams that are focused on the DevOps side of this. Um, but we've built our own like uh, infrastructure to handle these kinds of things versus like using using one of the cloud SaaS analytics mm -hmm. providers. Awesome. So we're kind of getting toward the end of. Um you know, React Native question time. Uh, so if you guys have any other questions you want to jump in real quick with, um, you know, go for it real quick. Uh, James, if you had anything still. Well, I wanted to ask, I, I'm trying not to create an echo chamber because I love React Native and our listeners listen because I presume they love it. But is there anything you found where you're like, we can't do this in React Native. This just isn't going to work. We've got to keep it native for this particular use case. I know you talked about some of the things with performance earlier, but is there anything that you found already or are you still waiting for the experiments to come back? Yeah, so I would say um, a few things. Definitely there are areas, and we really care about UX. Like Shopify really cares about the design, like the how things work. Like I don't like these word design, but like really like UX because it, design is it sounds too narrow. It's like, it's everything. Mm -hmm. It's how things feel, how the design, how it works. And of course, also how it looks, but not only how it looks. And there are some areas where we were like, Hey, can we do this in, uh, in JavaScript or do we have to write a native component? And when you mentioned like, do we have to wait for the experiments to come back? We, we actually purposefully built a native component in our react native app 
um, that we thought might have a performance implication only to understand how to con how these things are connected up and how to maintain this code over time. Like we wanted to make sure we understood that entire round trip. How do we go from, um, you know, how do we build a native module? How do we call it? How do we maintain that code? How do we keep the source tree separate? Like we want to understand that whole ecosystem in case we had to go that route. Also, we hadn't done React Native fully since 2015, so we wanted to understand how that ecosystem has changed. So, but I kind of forced the team to do it versus like we ran into a problem. So in, you know, I want to get merchant feedback before I make that call on performance. On the other side, in evaluating very old hardware, we did notice that for sure, because of the, you know, low thread count of React Native, right? You don't have as many threads as you get in Native. There are some types of hardware where if you were a new company starting something and building, um, you know, maybe going out and doing some custom Android stuff, you might, you might make a different trade-off. So for example, if you're trying to figure out how to deploy a low cost, some sort of IOT device or some device that's gonna run React Native, and you have to pick between low CPU, multiple cores, and high CPU, low number of cores, because of your decision to go React Native, you're probably wanting to go high CPU, low cores. Because React Native has less threads and, really, and CPU speed matters a lot. Versus in Native, you may be able to make the trade-off and say, actually, we can go cheaper by getting slower CPUs and maybe save on battery life, depending on the type of design, um, lower CPU cl clock cycle, and higher cores because we can take advantage of those cores. So there are some trade-offs like that. And we haven't come across those, but I'm thinking, going through is like a thought exercise where if I, how would I have to land in native? Well, potentially, if I have multiple cores, low CPU speed, if I have, um, if I tried to do things in JavaScript and was unable to get the performance I really liked and I had to go down native, maybe it's the makeup of your team is not interested in going React Native. Like there's a bunch of areas in which case you're like, okay, I have to go native. But for us, we haven't run into those roadblocks um, yet. That's awesome news. I'm really pleased to hear it. But it's good to have that kind of framework. I think everybody should look at their situation, right? And figure out their framework. I'm sure there are people who look at, uh, who look at our ecosystem as well and are like, Wow, can you really do that in Ruby, right, on the back end? Right? <laughs> so it's very a very similar calculus. Great. Before we move on to our sick picks for Han, is there any other topics that you, you'd like to touch on or bring up, maybe something that surprised you um, just before we close out the React Native portion of the show? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in the long-term shared code base, like the long-term numbers, because mm -hmm. I was surprised by seeing 95 and 99, to be honest, like even as the person who like, you know, I was, I, I'm, I look over mobile across Shopify. I was, I was like, I was expecting 80 when I asked the folks and then they came back saying 95 and 90. I'm like, wow, that's so that's surprising. So I'm, I'm interested in seeing the long term. I'm interested in seeing the analysis we do on crash rates across native and react native and, and sharing that with the community around like what we learn, even if it's a, a spirited debate, uh, even internally, like I'd love to publish even an internal blog post that's like, hey, here's what the native engineers think and here's what the React Native engineers think and they don't agree, <laughs> right? Like I'm cool, I'm cool to do that too. Um, I'm cool to learn more about performance, like I mentioned, in, in, in front of merchants and in front of buyers and when, we're, when we have to go native. Like, that would be a great like blog post as well. It's like, hey, we made this decision, it's a year later, here are all the, here's all the, all the examples of when we had to drop into native learning. And I think that's just, I wanna share that because like I learned by writing and I think just like, you know, here's a good example. I think last week I, I had a problem with my Wi-Fi network and I rebuilt like the entire thing and I wrote a doc <laughs> about it because 
every, you know, everybody else can learn. So same idea here. I want to just write so that everybody else can learn and we can make everybody, everything better. Maybe we make native development better too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, man, documentation and just documenting things, even in your personal life and stuff is just so absolutely underrated. Um, and it's so great to go onto the Shopify engineering blog and, you know, read all about this stuff. And I'm super excited to, you know, see what the engineering blog looks like in a year and see, um, you know, watch you as you track um, all these theories or, you know, these things of interest that you, you're interested in. So I know we'll all be looking forward to that and, and we'll be keeping an eye on the engineering blog. And in fact, we can, uh, we'll probably put a link in the show notes too, as well to the engineering blog. Yeah. Um, and sure. And for sure. Yeah. Engineering blog is a great place to go. And I try to tweet out non-random things also. Yeah. So speaking of tweeting out, um, where can our users find you? Sure. So, uh, tend to be, I think, pretty active on Twitter. So it's just, um, I, maybe I'll just spell it out at FN. So it's Furhan and then N as in Nancy. And then my last name, T-H-A-W-A-R is my Twitter ID. Maybe you put that in the show notes too. Awesome. Sounds good. All right. So moving on now, let's move on to our sick picks. Um, for our new, new users, um, this is basically the portion of the show where we just get to talk about some things that we like um, or maybe have been interested in lately, uh, just something that we want to kind of share with the world. Um, so I'll kick it off and say that my first sick pick is Doom Eternal. Um, I don't know if you're any video game players out there uh, or old school Doom players who play those games, you know, way back when, but they just released a new game called Doom Eternal. And it is super fun. Um, it is like the heavy metal version of a video game. Um, and you are just stomping on and tearing through all these demons. And it is, it is so over the top and um, just, um, you almost want to say obnoxious, but it's done with such like intention and style that it's just great. Um, so I'd say my other sick pick um, is an article I wrote recently. Um, it's basically just a speed run intro. Um, and this kind of goes back to the topic that we were just discussing um, is that you should try to document things and, and write more because it's so helpful to just get your ideas and thoughts on, on uh, I would say paper, but in, in this case, it's a keyboard. Um, so the reason I wrote this quick little blog post, um, and now I know a lot of our users are experienced React Native um, developers, so it probably won't apply as much to you, but maybe you could share it with a friend or a React developer who might be interested in transitioning into learning about React Native. And really all it's meant to do is to get your feet wet, to show uh, readers how easy it is to get into React Native, and then at the end to kind of give them the next steps in their um, journey with React Native. Uh, it's like a seven minute read. Um, so that's me. Let's kick it over to James. What are your sick picks this week? Uh, I've only got one, but uh, it's also a computer game, I'm afraid. I um, The whole internet's either played Doom Eternal or Animal Crossing, I think, since they both came out. But I've been playing Civilization VI, which is, have you guys played that before? It's just, it's honestly one of the greatest games slash time sinks imaginable. I'm in lockdown over in the UK at the moment which means that I get up and I do the work I've got to do. And then a few minutes of Civ and it's literally like four in the morning and it's just been the greatest evening ever. It's all I've done this week. I've just been playing that endlessly. I cannot recommend it enough. Um, yeah, that's, that's all I got. Yeah, time sync is an understatement when it comes to civilization games. Yeah. So that's great. Um, Ricky, what's your sick picks this week? 
So my sick pick is going to be a book. It's called uh, The Third Door. Have you guys read it before? No. No. Okay, so this this is about uh, a kid. He's in um, in college, and he basically um, just want to do the whole medical route. Um, so he he he's curious to find out like how do you become successful, and so he interviews um, um, like people like Larry King, Bill Gates, uh, Pitbull. And before he does all this, the funniest part is that he hacks the prices right to get funding to write this book. And it's it's funny to hear um, to to read about how he hacked the prices right, and then um, also all the experiences he has um, interviewing um, these people about their careers and how they launched their careers. Um, so it's a pretty good read. Amazing, Farhad. Uh, yeah. What are your sick picks this week? So I've got, um, and I, you made me think of a third one. So I got three. Um, the first one is um, House Party, the app. So I don't know if you if you've heard of this. Yeah. It was, it, it was kind of a, it, it, it like was interesting a year ago and then like kind of faded. And then with, with lockdown, basically like almost every night, my friends are on house party. So if you haven't tried house party, it's basically like low friction zoom and it's a social network built on top of video conferencing and literally has these rooms and you can have up to eight people in them. And you'll see when your friends come online, you can jump between rooms. And um, I just find myself Friday night and Saturday night hanging out with my wife having a drink and just like going through different rooms on house party and talking to friends. So it really feels like you can stay connected. So that's one. Number two is notion. So when I was writing, um, writing this little post on my Wi-Fi network, instead of just writing it on my notes app and on my phone, or cause I was running around the house fixing things. I didn't only had my phone to write on or using like Google docs. I, I finally said, let me just try notion cause it was already downloaded and I found it pleasant to write at, uh, notes on on your phone and i also could easily share it and now i just use notion to like to write notes so um that's my second sick pick and then third one that just reminded me ricky about a book i'm reading right now called i think it's called the year without pants which is the uh about a manager who joins wordpress and um it's like the first team lead at wordpress so he talks about the wordpress's like remote um, culture and how they maintain a very strong culture while being remote. And it's just perfectly timed with right now. Um, right. cause I think that I think somebody tweeted it and said, Hey, we're, this book is free right now on Amazon. And so I just, you know, free Kindle download and started reading it. And it's actually pretty good. My favorite part about notion is, um, being able to put gifs in your icons. Oh, I didn't even try that. Yeah, you can. It's pretty awesome. Oh, cool. Yeah. But it's very, it's a very nice mobile. It reminds me of quip. I don't know if you played with quip, Mm-mm. but quip, they got acquired by Salesforce, but 2015, when I started my company, we, we started using Quip instead of Google Docs. And it is so good on mobile to write. And so Notion reminds me of Quip. It's a very, like, more of a, Quip was more like internal documentation, like company docs. And this is more like public. So um, anyway, try, try Notion or try Quip if you haven't tried that. It's very good on mobile as well. Yeah, I saw Ricky smiling immediately when you brought up Notion because he actually got our whole team at Activision Blizzard to switch over to Notion. Um, and it's actually been super easy to use and yeah like the little the little features like being able to do like like ricky said the gif or like you know even for certain features like um like we have a call of duty league um document in our notion and i was able to upload the little logo for call of duty league um and so like just those small little details are something i've never seen in a note-taking app before so it really is great yeah my my like i what i love about it, it sounds funny is i love that you can delete a whole line with an x like like a complete like bullet points. Like I was rearranging something and I literally said X, X, X and was deleting entire lines on mobile. And I'm like, oh my God, because usually, you know, you're hitting, people always hold the backspace down 
to delete lines in mobile and you got to wait for it to go from character to like deleting words and then you got to let go in the right time and this thing just like xxx super good yeah great ux there all right um so farhan you've already mentioned where our users can find you um ricky and james where can users find you let's do ricky first uh on twitter um you can find me on twitter at romero romero ricky io so it's r-o-m-e-r-o r-a-c-k-y io i'll put that in the show notes cool and james uh, you can find me on Twitter as well. It's at Stern Job Name, which is an appalling Twitter handle, but also an anagram of my actual name. Uh-huh. Beautiful. And users, you can find me, Tim Jung, on Twitter as well. That's Tim Jung, J-U-N-G, D-E-V. So dev at the end there. Um, so thank you, um, Farhan, for coming on today and taking the time to talk about everything going on at Shopify. It sounds absolutely Awesome. Sounds like a great place to work too, where you guys are just really considering, you know, the experience of the developers and experimenting with all these things. So it's great. Um, thank you so much, everyone, you know, for being here today and for our, our listeners too for tuning in. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C A C H E F L Y dot com to learn more.